Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 58, The Infinite Atonement. So remember where we left off. Jacob had just finished reading to his people a couple chapters from Isaiah, encouraging the Nephites to follow after God and to not be ashamed to stand up and then sit down. And how do we do this? What does that look like? I believe it's relying on the covenants that the Lord has made with our fathers, even all the way back to Father Abraham. It is accepting the Lord's comfort and not fearing men. Remember, they're fleeting. But we're supposed to cleave to God and His salvation that is everlasting. And finally, it's to put on our strength, relying upon priesthood authority. And when we do so, that is when we will feel gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Jacob then, in 2 Nephi chapter 9, teaches his people the Lord's everlasting, unchanging, never-to-be-abolished plan of salvation. Jacob begins by presenting the quandary that has been on the minds of the people. And I believe that this tells us a lot about the Nephites' hearts at this point. They are soft, inquisitive. They're asking, seeking, and knocking about eternal truths. They're trying to put it all together. And their leader, Jacob, knows of their questions, and he desires to be a teacher unto them. The problem on the mind of the people is this. The people know that they must die. And they also know, through experience and probably observation, that this flesh that makes up our body wastes away and dies. Yet, in our bodies, we shall see God. How is that possible? Well, the short answer is resurrection. And Jacob just doesn't tell them the short answer, though. Jacob begins with what they know. He places himself upon common ground, and then together they're going to rise higher. The Nephites know and they accept that Jesus Christ will, in the body, show himself unto those in Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, He will suffereth himself to become subject unto man in the flesh, and die for all men, that all men might become subject unto him. In verses 5 and 6, Jacob refers to the Lord by the name of the Creator, the Creator who created the heavens and the earth and man found upon it, came down to his fallen children and he subjected himself to all of our frailties. Even in life, though, there was a schism between his perfect obedience to Father and our feeble attempts to figure life out. Because of the fall of Adam, we had been cut off from the presence of the Lord, subjecting ourselves to and falling into transgression. Remember, the fall came because of transgression and now left us vulnerable to more transgression and now to death. 
Therefore, how do we get from the realities of the fall and everything that entails to standing before God in our bodies? I think it's a great question that the Nephites were pondering and trying to figure out. There had to be a reunification to bring us back into God's presence, to become at one with Him once again, an atonement. And not just an atonement for some, but for all. An infinite atonement, limitless or endless in space, limitless or endless in extent, limitless or endless in size, all-reaching, all-encompassing, all-powerful, all-healing, and for all. We can't fully comprehend what the atonement is because it is immeasurable and it is impossible to calculate its scope. But it's enough for us to know that it is good enough to get us back home. It's more than good enough. In order for the merciful plan of the great creator to be fulfilled, this infinite atonement that brings everything back to one must have the power of resurrection, making our bodies and our souls one once again. It has to be done in order for progression to take place. For our souls to not have our bodies, that would be a step backwards. So today, as we study verses 8 through 26... We're going to learn about the details of the plan. However, I encourage you to personally study these verses, verses 8 through 26. And I want you to study the details as if you are studying God and his character. Because that is what the plan is a reflection of. And we need to know who it is that we can wait on, who we can find comfort in, who we can trust and who we can be strengthened by. And his plan will show us all of that. So Jacob begins by saying, Oh, the wisdom of God, his mercy and grace. I cannot stress this enough. And I deeply encourage you to make a righteous pursuit in your life, to accept and be a witness of the Lord's mercy and grace. Get really good at seeing it, at accepting it, at succumbing to it. Mercy, my quick definition, forgiving us and treating us better than we deserve. His grace, his enabling power that helps us do what we cannot do ourselves. And mercy and grace are where God's wisdom resides. It is his favorite go-to when he is working amongst us. It is what he gives to us readily. Mercy and grace are his experience, his knowledge, his judgment. It is him. It is his wisdom. And how do we see his wisdom, his mercy and grace manifested in his plan? Without his infinite atonement, there would have been no resurrection. That would then leave our spirits still separated from God. And therefore subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God and became the devil to rise no more. So despite our choice to follow God and come here to earth without the atonement which provided us the resurrection, we would be separated anyways and we would be subject to Lucifer anyways 
And God the Father in Jesus Christ could not let that happen. And despite all the mistakes we have made, the temper tantrums that we have all thrown, the doubts, the questions, the lack of knowledge that we have operated under, they could not leave us vulnerable to Lucifer. We all, because of transgression, would have been left with filthiness, therefore becoming devils. No child of God will be abandoned to that. The atonement of Jesus Christ was the plan of mercy to treat us better than we deserve. It is the plan of grace to empower us to one day rise and reunify our spirits with our bodies. To do something for us that we cannot do ourselves. And at this point in the plan, we are strides ahead of Lucifer, who will never have a body and who will inherit no glory. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, we will receive both, even the glory. Jacob says, oh, how great the goodness of God. It is so good of God that he has prepared a way for our escape. The atonement of Jesus Christ, because it is infinite, will rescue all of us, no matter how rebellious and proud some of us may be. That is a good God, giving his best gifts to his children. Because of his goodness, the resurrection is permitted to take place. The temporal death will be required to deliver up its dead, our bodies. The spiritual death, which is hell, shall deliver up its dead, our captive spirits. And his goodness will see that we are all restored once more. It is by the power of the resurrection of the Holy One of Israel that this is able to even happen. All of this is because of the goodness of him. And not because of our achievements or our works. Jacob says, oh, how great the plan of God. And I know of no other plan that is so great. It's a plan that is going to ensure that all men, all men will go from being corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortal, from being in ignorance and trying to gain knowledge to having a perfect knowledge. Now, before you begin to worry that you may be keeping commandments unnecessarily, I mean, if everyone is going to be incorruptible and immortal and have a perfect knowledge, then what's the point in trying to keep commandments or in trying to be faithful to covenants made? If you're worried about those in the great and spacious building who have been laughing at you and worried that they're going to be receiving the same reward as you, slow down. Would that be merciful? Would that be gracious? Would that be good? It's going to depend upon our attempts at becoming in this life. And the atonement is going to restore a perfect knowledge. It restores everything, remember. It's not just restoring our souls with our bodies. It's restoring everything. And it's going to restore our knowledge as well. And we can either have it restore a knowledge of all our guilt and our uncleanness and our nakedness, or 
It will include our righteousness and being clothed with purity, yea, even the robe of righteousness. And I think it's safe to say that if you're listening to this podcast, you, like me, well, we're interested in the robe. That is where our focus is on. And frankly, I don't know how the judgment is going to work. We don't know the time that will be given to continue to repent afterwards. We don't know the impact of each of our circumstances. God is the only one who knows and has a perfect knowledge of all of our challenges and stumbling blocks that we have. And I am so grateful that he is a God of truth and cannot lie, a God of love, and that he is just, and that the judging is his job and not mine. Because this great plan of God will lead us to his judgment seat, to be judged by his holy judgment. I think that's an important word, holy judgment. And as we come before him, we are promised that those who are righteous shall be righteous still, and they who are filthy shall be filthy still. Our days of probation here on earth will not be fruitless or of no worth. All of the work that you have done in sacrificing and putting off the natural man to tap in to the divinity found within you is not going to be wasted. And those Christ-like attributes and characteristics that took a lifetime to develop will all still be yours. However, without repentance, so will our filth. Jacob says, Oh, the greatness and the justice of our God. His justice is great. He is a God of truth and cannot lie, for he executeth all his words, and they have gone forth out of his mouth, and his law must be fulfilled. He's not like me (laughs) in my desperate mom moments where I'm like, you better or else. And then I don't follow through on the or else. No. His words will be executed, and his law will be fulfilled. Remember, however, that this characteristic of God works in perfect harmony with all of his other characteristics. Isn't that so cool? He knows we will make mistakes. He is prepared to be merciful. He knows we do not possess the power to make ourselves clean from those mistakes. He is prepared with grace. He knows our hearts. He is so good. He knows it when his children are aspiring to those robes, or in other words, desiring to make it through his plan. His plan is so great. Those of us who are enduring, those of us who can be referred to as the righteous, the saints of the Holy One of Israel, who have believed in him, who have endured the crosses of the world and despised the shame of it, they shall inherit the kingdom of God, which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. Awesome. Keep going, ladies. Whatever your circumstances look like right now, don't give up in believing in him and enduring the crosses of the world. He sees you doing it. 
He knows you. He is prepared with mercy and grace to make it all work for your benefit. Because remember, oh, the greatness of the mercy of our God, the Holy One of Israel. He delivers his saints from that awful monster, the devil and death and hell and endless torment. Be patient a little while longer. Oh, how great the holiness of our God. The definition of holy is morally and spiritually excellent. Oh, how morally and spiritually excellent our God is. He knows all things. There isn't anything he doesn't know. How does your life change when you accept that truth? Think about it. All of those things you're trying to control that despite your efforts are not cooperating with you. He knew that it would be so. Follow his plan. All of the weaknesses that you fight through every day. He knows that about you and is comfortable with the process that you must go through. You may not be. (laughs) It may be devastating, but it isn't for him. He's got this. It's not too much for him. His atonement is infinite. Follow his plan. All of your disappointments that you are bewildered by, He isn't. He's got you. Just follow his plan. Please know I don't say any of this to be trite. Because as I say this, I'm picturing the trials that you might be enduring. So I don't have an attitude of let them eat cake. (laughs) I know that there can be a lot of pain in the hearts of the righteous. But if we know that there are no surprises for God and still all of what he has to offer, his atonement, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his plan that is morally and spiritually excellent. If we know that that is available to you or to us, we should use it. Let him heal you. That is why it is there for you, because he knew you were going to need it. He knew that there were going to be some very raw and agonizing moments in your life that would attempt to separate you from him. And he has a plan in place to make you at one with him. Follow it. Because he is holy. Because he is morally and spiritually excellent. He's more excellent than we are. He suffered so that all men may be resurrected and stand before him. Because he is holy, because he is morally and spiritually more excellent than we are, he knew we were going to need him long before the moment even arrived. We need him now, in this very moment, and his infinite atonement even reaches to where you are at right now through the first principles and ordinances of the gospel faith in the lord jesus christ second repentance baptism by immersion for the remission of sins receiving the gift of the holy ghost and then enduring we will be saved in the kingdom of god follow his plan 
because of your challenges, I encourage you to see the wisdom of God, His mercy, and His grace. Write it down. Look for the goodness of our God and write it down. Look for how great His plan is and write it down. See the greatness of His justice and write it down with this in front of you. I hope that you will one day be able to say, Oh, how great the holiness of our God. Have a good day.